welcome into the Bet US College Football Show. And that's right, we have one game left. I am your host, Gary Seegers. You can follow me on Twitter at GaryWCE. Let me go ahead and introduce the experts, the guys that know way more than I do about this crazy, finicky sport. Uh, we'll start on the right side here, Kyle Hunter. He is our award-winning professional handicapper. You can follow him on Twitter at KyleHunterPicks. Uh, fun, fun week of bowl games last week. Kyle, how'd you feel about them? Yeah, fun weekend. Um, as, a, as a fan of the Buckeyes and the Bengals, what a weekend for games. I mean, I have to tell you, um, it was good finishes for me because I wanted the Buckeyes and the Bengals to win. But, uh, you know, my wife and I were talking, I might need a cardiologist soon if they keep that type of stuff up, just because of the way those guys, especially the Bengals, the end of that game. But the bowl games were pretty good. Uh, you know, I don't know if we can count the LSU and uh, Kansas State game as very good. But other than that, Gary was on the right side of that one, though, so so we'll take that. And uh, you know, it was a it was a good weekend of of bowl games. I, I was uh, always enjoying to watch those, and uh, I think we got some uh, pretty good games there. Uh, there were, there were a couple of them that I wish we could have seen Matt Corral uh, there against Baylor. Oh, yeah. That was kind of a bummer to end that night, but good weekend overall. New Year's Day is a college football fans' day. It it has been forever. Why we don't have the semis on that day every year. I will never understand. I understand Rose Bowl. I understand Sugar Bowl. I get all that, right? But uh, that's the day when most college football fans kick up their feet and watch football. And that's that's what we should have had was the semis on that day as opposed to New Year's Eve. But alas, that's a, a topic for another day for sure. Parker, uh, fun weekend. I mean, it was a it was a lot of fun football all along the way, uh, Tuesday night with standing, obviously, <laughs> because it wasn't a great game to watch, but we did find value there. We had the LSU team total under 22 and a half last week, so that one cashed for sure. But uh, but it was still fun to watch football on a Tuesday, get one more game in there before, of course, the national championship. We do have the FCS national championship coming up on Saturday. We won't discuss that. We don't have numbers for that. We we focus on FBS. 130 teams is enough for us. But Parker, uh, Parker Fleming on the left side here at Stats of War on Twitter. Uh, tell me about, you know, your viewing experience. How did everything go? You're the numerical guru. How did the numbers do? Yeah, well, one, you, you brought this up, so I'm compelled to say, as a University of Montana alum, I, I'm rooting for North Dakota State this weekend, as weird as that is, <laughs> to watch North Dakota State and Montana State play. I don't care about FCS football, except if it directly pertains to Montana, so I have rooting interest there. Um, yeah, a fun week. I mean, I, 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 I definitely took a... Uh, Took a loss with that Notre Dame-Oklahoma State game, but I'm happy to take a loss in that fashion for a game that is just like so interesting to watch coaches at halftime make adjustments and kind of see how these things play out. So um, certainly a fun one. And uh, this wasn't an official pick because the line had moved so much, but at the beginning of bowl season, I got Kansas State in a pick -em. So I went to bed early. I didn't even watch the end of that game because I was like, yep, I'm cruising, man. That's great. I don't need to watch, uh, you know, LSU's. 2021 recruiting class uh, get get beat up by by an experienced Kansas State team. So I mean, so many good games. I don't like. I, I I'm I'm inclined to think that this Rose Bowl will be one of the ones we remember for a long time. Um, just because it was so impressive and so many facets to the game. And um, I think in that first half, 220 kick return yards in seven drives for for both teams. Just uh, absurd, absurd college football games. So much fun. Kind of like drinking from a fire hose to go from you know you think about that period of like. Purdue, Tennessee in the Music City Bowl uh, all the way through Saturday night 
I mean, man, that was that that took a lot of effort to to watch oh, all yes. those. There's a lot of emotional investment, a lot of fun. So, a um, man, just just a great weekend, and the bowls are that's yeah, just the best college football, man. That was awesome. Yeah, basically, from the time that our show ended, we had a whole slew of great football. I mean, it was wonderful. All from the Cheez It Bowl on Wednesday night last week, all the way through Saturday night. Hey, you know, Matt Corral, we talked about that. Would have loved to have seen him finish out that game with Ole Miss uh, because I do think, you know, it would have at least given us a different game than we got with Ole Miss and Baylor. Uh, but alas, it is what it is. We got to see Baylor against uh, Ole Miss's future quarterback, I guess you can say. So let's uh, let's let's get off of this. All the intros are done. This is a little longer intro than usual, but, but we got time. We got one game to discuss uh, before we get to it. Remind everybody, go and sign up over at BetUS.com. They are an incredible sports book. It is where the game begins. Go over to BetUS.com and get yourself signed up. Tons of bonuses and whatnot over there. Along with that, you're already here. Go ahead and like the video for us. It's a little thumbs up button. Looks like that. Hit that uh, thumbs up button. Hit the like button. Make sure that you are subscribed to the channel because we will continue on even after the season. This is a year-round sport. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. Hit the notification bell. It's going to let you know when we go live. And, uh, and yes, we will have plenty of content moving forward. Along with that, um, comment. Jump in the chat. Let us know what you would like to talk about for the Q&A at the end of the show. If we don't hit something on the game that you think that we should, absolutely dive in and tell us. Or if there's other topics going on in the world of college football that you would like to know about, or at least get our opinions on. We may not know about it, but we can certainly come up with something. Uh, so you can ask that in the chat as well, or jump in the comments if you watch this after it is live. So let's do this. Uh, let's go ahead and go to our recap for the season thus far, our picks on the games. Uh, last week, I went 5-1. Uh, and one. Kyle went 3-0. and oh. Parker, 2-3-1. and one. Overall, on the season, I am sitting at 60 wins, 48 losses, and 4 pushes. Kyle is 45 wins, 33 losses. And Parker, 60 wins, 75 losses, and four pushes. That gives us an overall record of 165 wins, 156 losses, and eight pushes. So we are above 500, and that's a pretty good goal, I think. That's a pretty good goal to hit. 330 picks, uh, we do better than 50%. I'm good with that. Gentlemen, we have got a national championship game in Lucas Oil Stadium on Monday night. The college football playoff national championship between Alabama and Georgia. So let's uh, let's go ahead and dive into this. I'll give you the numbers here. Georgia is a three-point favorite, even money right now. If you want to take Alabama, you're giving up minus 120 on that. Total is 52 on this one. Going to give you some of the betting trends before we dive into, uh, you know, some of the more interesting topics to dive into in this game. The over has hit in nine of the last 10 between these two, dating all the way back to 2002, uh, the over has hit in four straight games. Alabama has been an underdog six times since Nick Saban's second season back in 2008. They are 5-1 and one against the spread and straight up in those games, including 3-0 and oh straight up and against the spread as a dog to Georgia. Uh, 2008, I believe it was, 2015, and earlier this season. They won and, of course, covered. Because if you're an underdog, you win, that's cover. Uh, but in those spots... Yeah, Alabama 5-1 and one against the spread and straight up as an underdog. Uh, Alabama 4-0 and oh against the spread in their last four neutral site games. They are 5-3 and three against the spread in their last eight games this season. 
two and two against the spread down the stretch. They did cover the playoff game and they did cover in the SEC championship game. So I, I, you could say two and oh in the last two. They are one and four against the spread in their last five championship game appearances. That might be something to pay attention to. Georgia 7-2 against the spread in their last nine bowl games. They tend to play well once they get into these positions. 11-4 against the spread as a neutral site favorite. They are 0-4 against the spread. Their last four following a spread win. Um, Another interesting tidbit. The underdog in this matchup between Alabama and Georgia. The underdog is 7-1 against the spread in the last eight meetings. Found that interesting. Gentlemen. Uh, Kyle, let's start off with you on this. Uh, it found an interesting, interesting tidbit. 55 same season rematches of FBS teams since 2007. The same team won both games 29 times. That's 53.7%. And the team favored in the second game won 79.6% of those rematches. Uh, Parker, actually that, uh, that came from football outsiders. So they uh, they looked up all that information. Eighty percent, Kyle, of the team of the teams that were favored have ended up winning in these rematches. Is that a weird stat to you? I thought that was kind of interesting. <laughs> I, I like that. I think that's a good one. Um, you know, it it kind of we always hear people say it's hard to beat the same team twice or three times in college basketball. I don't really like that comment just because, you know, if you're the better team, you can beat that team consistently. That It's one of those old sayings that makes no sense to me. Um, you know, but in this case, we have two pretty evenly matched teams, which makes it very fun. Uh, as far as talent, both of these teams are just supremely talented, certainly. 64% of the bets on Alabama, 56% of the money on Georgia so far. I do say, you know, I kind of take that with a grain of salt, especially the public number so far, because most of the betting public wants to bet closer to kickoff here. So I guess the question is, um, you know, who's the public going to take in this one? And and I think that's kind of a complicated one to try to figure out because the pu- betting public is going to like Bama in a lot of cases. But I also think that, you know, people are going to say, well, they want revenge. That's their one loss this year. And they just blew out Michigan. I don't know. I think it's going to be a pretty even split as far as who the public will take in this one. Um, Probably the public a little bit more with Alabama would be my guess. But, um, you know, I I think Alabama's game plan offensively against Cincinnati really impressed me a lot, you know, because we saw Alabama's passing game do so well uh, last time when they played Georgia. And then they came out and just ran the ball down Cincinnati's throat there to start that game. And I was like, wow, I mean, Robinson having a massive game. Obviously, Cincinnati hasn't faced the kind of uh, offensive lines like Alabama has, those really big SEC offensive lines. Uh, You know, what's that going to lead to in something like this, though? Because now they're up against probably the best defensive line in the country in Georgia. Uh, You're not going to push around Georgia the way they did Cincinnati. And and Saban knows that, certainly. So, I don't know. I guess um, a couple questions for you guys. First, Gary, I mean, do you think that um, Bama will run it more than they did in the first game against Georgia because Robinson only had 16 carries in that first game. They really were pretty pass heavy. And, and second, I mean, do you, who do you think the public is going to want to bat guys in this one? I, I think that's a pretty interesting question. I don't believe that Alabama will run it a ton more. Um, Robinson may run it more. He may have more than 16 carries because remember in that first game, he was hobbled with a, a bit of a hamstring injury. Um, but in this position, you know, if you look overall, uh, since week seven, 
Um, da, 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 I've got it pulled up here. The offensive rushing rate for Alabama is 43.8%. Uh, Georgia is 46%. So at both of these teams, you know, they, they try and keep it balanced. Uh, but the bottom line for Alabama against Georgia is they are going to have to pass. Bryce Young will have to win this game. You're not going to push around Georgia's front seven. Uh, Parker, I mean, do you kind of feel the uh, the same way on this one? Yeah, so I, I, I don't want to sound like a conspiracy theorist here, but I do think that both uh, Alabama and Georgia were um, maximizing uh, objective functions in the playoff games that were different than do everything we can to win. I think what Nick Saban and Kirby Smart wanted to do was do as little as possible and make sure we still win. Yes. Um, because they, you know, especially I think about Alabama and their running game. One, um, God love them. Cincinnati is just physically outmatched up front. And 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 look, man, when there's low hanging fruit, you're dumb if you don't take it. And Nick Saban's not dumb. And so he was able to say, look, one, I don't want to put a lot of things on film. Two, I know that we're not going to pull guards. We're, we're just going to take a zone step and push him back. And then Brian Robinson's going to drop the hammer on some people. So one, I do think just from a, a kind of athlete mentality standpoint, Brian Robinson Jr. has kind of gotten a poor reputation all season. You know, Alabama's run game is underdeveloped. Their offensive line struggles. Their run game's not that good. And so he got to, you know, he got to flex a little bit in that game and that's great. But also they just said, look, we're just, you're, you're running three guys up front. That's going to give us enough of a push. Our guys can get to the second level. We're, we're going to run it. We're going to take what's there. Um, second, and, and let me interrupt you right quick uh Please. why would you pass on on Gardner and uh Bryant yeah. like why even try yeah. that and, if you and, don't have to and that was kind of that that kind of bleeds into my second point is what's the biggest question uh with Alabama right now is what does their passing game look like without John Mechie in the first matchup for for Georgia and Alabama Mechie had six catches for 97 yards one of those was for 40 so he really got free on one and then did nothing else because Georgia keyed in on him and Alabama was able to find that counterpunch of Jamison Williams, seven receptions, 184 yards, excellent game. Um, that's the biggest question for, for Alabama is how, how do you counterpunch if Georgia locks down Jamison Williams like they um, locked down John Mechie in the first game? And and to beat Cincinnati secondary, that's the thing they do most excellently. What Alabama would have to do is reveal the answer to that question, right? Um, and so it makes a ton of sense that Alabama just kind of closed it up and didn't um, – and didn't really do anything big there, uh, put things on film. Same thing with, with, with Georgia. I think that Georgia saw, look, Michigan wants to run gap scheme. We dominate gap scheme in the run game. They're not going to be able to do it. We're going to take our chances and, and be fine. And, and I think that they, um, you know, getting up early obviously is good for, for Stetson Bennett and not having to play from behind. He, I think he looked a little looser, a little, little crisper, uh, looser in a positive sense there, uh, just because they said, Hey, we know that we can push these guys around. We're going to do what it takes to, to win and, and then, and then get out of here and, and get ready for the next game. So, um, definitely some gamesmanship there. I, I do wonder if the public isn't going to bet on Georgia to answer your question, Kyle, just because if I told you that a coin flip had 60, 40 odds and we flip it, and it lands on the 40 side the first time. Well, if we flip it again, you're still going to pick the 60 side, right? And so yeah. I do think that Georgia, my, my numbers have changed a little bit, but if you believe that Georgia should have won the first game and they were the better team and they lost, you should still believe that Georgia is the better team and they're going to they're gonna win that game uh, just because, you know, football's fluky and, and they're not necessarily independent events and I won't get a lecture on statistics here. But I do think that there's going to be a lot of that mentality of like, it's hard to beat somebody twice and I think they should have won the first game. So I still think they should win the second game. I, to answer the question, Kyle, I I do think that the public, for the most part, will jump back to Georgia's side, right? The storyline is there, beating Nick Saban, all that good stuff for Kirby Smart. Uh, 
the public, I mean, there's been a lot going on with Stetson Bennett. He is becoming uh, a folk hero of sorts. So it, it, with all the stuff that went on, I believe, earlier today, uh, just a ton of tweets and whatnot about how awesome Stetson Bennett has been uh, in all these interviews, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I believe it, it may have been Tuesday. Uh, but there was just people love the mailman, right? People love the story. Uh, Georgia, even though they are favored, still kind of the underdog. I think people like that storyline, and and for the most part, people love to bet against Alabama. It doesn't win them a whole lot of money, uh, but I do think that Georgia will be the public uh, side once we get to game time. So as of right now, you know, Alabama catching points, uh, you bring this thing back down to two and a half, two, somewhere around there, and, you know, we will get a, a ton of money, I would imagine, on Georgia uh, by the time we get to kick off on Monday night. So I... There's uh, there's injuries that I, I forgot to bring up. Let me go on and bring these up. These are, I think, key, key injuries in this game. One, uh, Georgia not really missing anybody since the last time we talked about this. Uh, Arian Smith still out. Uh, they still kind of miss him. They do have guys that can replace him. Uh, but he was a, a deep threat and a guy that's uh, speedy. They could have used another one of those. Linebacker Adam Anderson still suspended, not going to play, all that good stuff. So he'll be missed for Alabama. Gets a little trickier, right? Parker already talked about John Mechie being out for this game, the wide receiver. Uh, the question, of course, there is can Ja'Cory Brooks replace what Mechie did? Mechie was much more of a possession receiver. He could get open in tight windows and small spaces, uh, middle of the field, you know, quick post routes, all that. He, he was great at route running. Uh, Ja'Cory Brooks is a freshman. He ain't there yet, but he got all of those targets that Mechie typically would in the, uh, in the Cotton Bowl. So, along with that, uh, defensive back Jalen Armand Davis played some. He's not quite 100% yet. Uh, I would imagine he'll be closer to 100% by the time the game rolls around on Monday night. And offensive line injuries. This is going to be key here. Emil Ikior, the, uh, the right guard, and the right tackle, Chris Owens. Both of them went out of the Cotton Bowl with injuries. Everybody's being mum about it. I would imagine that they play. But... You never know. Who knows what percentage they will be, et cetera. I think those are key spots. If you go back and watch the SEC championship game, those guys held up incredibly well in that game. And it might have just been a one-time thing, but uh, behind them, you got J.C. Latham. You got, I, I forget the other guy's name, but th those are not guys that you want against Georgia. You can, you can have those against Cincinnati. You can't have them against Georgia. I, I'm a little worried about it. Uh, Kyle, how big do you think the injuries are when it comes to the line this go-round? Well, I think the line injuries are the biggest key. I mean, Mechie's obviously a big uh, a big deal as well. And they played part of the game without Mechie before. But, uh, you know, if you look at the first game, I actually kind of thought Bama's offensive line played pretty good in that first game. Uh, PFF graded them fairly lowly in that game. Uh, Bryce Young does a great job moving away from pressure. I, I, I'm extremely impressed uh his ability to feel the pressure you know some quarterbacks very uh, not very good at uh, moving around in the pocket getting outside the pocket and uh, making something happen young did a great job of that in that first game can he do that well in the second one i, I mean gary to me the key is here uh georgia's defense they were so good all year we talked about them every single week right you know, there's nothing nothing negative to say about them 
And all at once, they have that uh, really poor game where uh, Young threw for over 400 yards, I believe. Uh, and Georgia's coverage grade at PFF was 41.7 against Alabama. Uh, their second worst of the year was 66.7. So, I mean, that, that was a secondary that had been really good. Now, Bryce Young and Alabama can make any secondary look pretty bad, certainly. But, you know, they're going to need to look better than they did in that one. Uh, on that that end, uh, I think the key is, you know, can Georgia do a little bit better actually getting to Bryce Young instead of him making something happen? Uh, you know, like I said, Young is just sneaky good uh, at stuff like that. And, uh, you know, I know I'm, I'm kind of skipping around here. We're trying to, uh, <laughs> you know, we're having more of a discussion than what we've had just because it's a one game, uh, which which is fine. But uh, yeah, yeah. I want to I want to go back to on Stetson Bennett a little bit. Um, you know, I think some people now are saying, okay, Stetson Bennett's proven himself, you know, uh, why did people, you know, crap on him or whatever before, you know, I, I, I wasn't really trying to say and at any point in the past that I think Stetson Bennett is bad. Uh, I still don't know that Stetson Bennett is really good. And can he just go win the game for him? Uh, for for the team, I, I think Georgia's defense wins them so many games, and, and Bennett manages the game. He had some great throws against Michigan, but I, I don't like the people that are saying, you know, hey, he's proven himself now, so we know he can do it against Bama as well. He hasn't done it against Bama the two other times. Uh, so, yeah, I'm so worried about Stetson Bennett in that game. And, I, and this is coming, coming from somebody who, if I had to lean, I would lean Georgia in this game, just because I think Georgia has the, the better balanced team overall. But I'm scared to death to bet against Nick Saban and Bryce Young here in this one, because I know they have a coaching advantage. I know they have a much better quarterback. So I don't know. I mean, and the, the other thing, too, Brock Bowers, a matchup nightmare for most teams, Gary. I mean, you know, I, most people can't guard Bowers very well. Uh, Bama, I think they'll struggle with him again. As oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, and Saban yeah. even said it. I mean, he, he came out uh, after the game. He said it in the lead up this week that Brock Bowers is, I mean, almost unguardable. Yeah. I mean, he's just unbelievable. But in the Alabama game, I believe he had 15 targets, right. 10 receptions for like 130-something. He had not done that all year. Uh, and that was in play from behind mode. Right. Bowers is their playmaker. They didn't need him against Michigan, to be completely honest. Right. Uh, you brought up Stetson Bennett. Let me let me hijack this from you right quick. Stetson Bennett uh, against Alabama was 29 of 48 for 340 yards, four touchdowns, two interceptions in that game. Uh, the first three drives against Alabama, they had 12 passes. Uh, one of those was a sack, but I, I counted that as a pass. Uh, but 12 passes and 10 runs that led to a 10 to nothing lead. And from that point on, they started trying to throw the ball even more, and they got out of what they were comfortable doing. They had 36 passes and 20 runs for the rest of the ballgame. Um, Georgia actually ran more offensive plays than Alabama did in the last game, and that is not typical for these two teams on the season. On the season, uh, offensive plays per game, Alabama runs 77. Georgia runs 64. I mean, it's a vast difference when you do that. So the fact that Georgia ran, I believe it was 68, um, and then I think Alabama ran 60, if I'm not mistaken. But either way, long story short, uh, Bennett has a lot of trouble when when you actually move the secondary pre-snap. When you don't give him what he has seen, that's when he has problems. If you just stay standard or stationary, he can pick you apart. I think a good portion of quarterbacks can do that. I don't know... Uh, what Alabama will do in this matchup differently than what they did last time. I think that's a big question. Parker, uh, maybe you can help me out on this. I, I went back and 
I watched play-by-play on the Alabama-Georgia game and on the Alabama-Cincy game and on the Alabama, uh, excuse me, this uh, Georgia-Michigan game. Um, Georgia's second touchdown drive against Alabama, uh, they had back-to-back pass interference calls against Alabama. Uh, that certainly helped out. On top of the two interceptions that he threw, there were three others that were thrown up, two of which were dropped, that could have been picks in that game. So I, I don't know what PFF says is a turnover-worthy throw, but he had a ton of them in that game because I think of the position that he was in. Can we trust Stetson Bennett in this game to not give us turnovers? Like, is, is that the way that you would, uh, I guess, boil this down, or, excuse me, boil the game down to? Can Stetson Bennett not turn the football over? Yeah, you know, if we, if we were going to pick the the three or four things that were the most important for this for this game, it is going to be um, not because 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 I don't think there's a conversation that that we need to have about is Stetson Bennett good. I think there's a conversation yeah. about like what can Stetson Bennett do and what does Georgia ask him to do, and and those are actually a pretty nice match for what Georgia has needed all year, except in a key moment when Alabama came back a little bit and then he needed to he needed one more drive to level things out, make it twenty four thirty one, kind of settle everything. And he threw the pick um, and, and and that got ran all the way back. And that's obviously, you know, the, the return is, is not his fault. That's a little, that's a little fluky, but um, Alabama dropped, I think two more interceptions um, yeah. in, in that game too. He, he certainly was flustered when he had to press. So you don't want to be um, in, in that position. One thing about that. I, I mean, I think you're referencing that quote about um, Saban talking about static and dynamic pressures. With, yeah. yeah, yeah. Job out with some of those secondary guys, uh, new and in there. I wonder, are there, is there, is there a little bit of a ceiling on the complexity of what Saban can show and some of that pre-step pre-snap stuff that they're going to have to worry about with two, um, you know, new cornerbacks and, and everything out there as well with, with Kool-Aid and with the, um, the Juco guy whose name I should remember. I'm sorry. That's terrible for a football show. Um, <laughs> but the, uh, the, the, the two guys there, I, I wonder if that's going to change what kind of pressures they can show, what kind of looks they can give in the secondary to kind of confuse Stetson Bennett. Um, so that I think is is really important. If we're talking about, you know, we're talking about Stetson Bennett, talking about kind of outliers in the first game and what might go differently. One stat I had flagged was yards after the catch for Alabama on offense. Um, they had 412 total pass yards. 195 of those came after the catch. That's about 47%. That doesn't seem super sustainable against a very good Georgia team. You think about some of those pass yards. Um, I am certain in here that the Bryce Young uh, flip pass is counted as yards after the catch and that influences it for sure. But even so, um, I mean, that's, that's a big deal. Um, especially as you don't have basically your best receiver to try and get some of those, um, you know, get, get, get some of those big plays there as well. Uh, kind of, can they sustain scheming guys open in a way where they'll be able to, uh, get those yards after catch and kind of, uh, some of those, um, you know, you know, I, I'll say amazing plays that, that just, again, don't seem super sustainable against the very good Georgia, um, offense, uh, or defense rather. The, um, other thing that I had flagged in terms of sustainability, uh, that relates directly to Stetson Bennett is third downs. Georgia is not very good on late downs. They started two for seven against Alabama last time. Um, And part of that was because they weren't as good on early downs. Stetson Bennett, if he misses a pass on early downs and Georgia gets behind the sticks, that is a kiss of death. You look at what they did against Michigan and they were able to stay on schedule early. They were able to, again, no, no quarterback wants to be in third and long. That's the, you know, the dumbest, most obvious thing I can say. Right. But Stetson Bennett, especially, 
um, you don't want him to have to press. And so those early downs, I think, are going to be very, very important. And that's going to manifest in this third and fourth down conversion rate because a lot of that is going to be dictated by was this, you know, third and 11, was this third and three. Um, and so I'm interested to see kind of on early downs, can Georgia stay ahead of schedule enough to avoid those obvious situations where Will Anderson can pin his ears back, where Alabama can disguise pressures and trap Stetson Bennett into making a bad throw. Um, so those are those are my three kind of flag things for, for uh, you know, what might be fluky last time, what might be different those time or this time rather. And, uh, and, and those are certainly interesting for me. Again, I don't know. My, my question uh, that I kind of want to hit both of you guys with is, I mean, how much can change in two weeks in college football? We saw, for instance, Utah just absolutely smack the ever loving heck out of Oregon. And then two weeks later, do the exact same thing. Nothing changed. Um, if, if we're trying to talk ourselves into a Georgia, uh, a Georgia minus three bet here, um, what, what can change in two weeks? Yeah, the I think the biggest thing is the injuries, right? Like, it, yeah. Mechie being out, I think, is key. Like, how important was Mechie to the game plan? Because after Mechie went out, I believe Alabama only scored uh, 10 more points in the ballgame. Uh, can you get as big a lead and whatnot with John Mechie being out? You know, that's that's where Ja'Cory Brooks comes in. And some of these other guys, uh, uh, Holden, et cetera that I think are going to have to try and step up, but they're all really young. They are not nearly as experienced as John Mechie and the offensive line. The offensive line did an incredible job in that first game. Can they hold up if they don't have uh, Ikior and Owens in the game, right? Uh, Kyle, tell me your thoughts on this. Is that kind of the only issue is the injuries? Well, I agree with those being the main things. Um, I'm not really a cons- conspiracy guy, so I, I don't want to make it sound like I am. But you could also say that Georgia didn't have as much to play for in the first game between these two as what they have in this one. I know some people say, you know, Bama had to Kyle, win. Kyle, say Kirby game. Smart through the first game. Just say it. I want the no, quote no, for the no, sound I'm not, bite. <laughs> I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. We've, I think we've uh, gotten enough of those sound bites from trying to bust northern illinois and then they came back and got us no i mean um, but but in all reality um alabama had to win that game georgia you know was going to be in the playoffs regardless i think georgia tried to win the game certainly um having said that you know georgia knows this is this is their season this is the season for both teams um you know I think coaching changes, uh, coaching matchups uh, matter here. Uh, if you if you are going to compare it to Utah and Oregon, the only thing I'd say there is I do think Georgia's staff is better than Oregon. You know, I mean, and Oregon was kind of in flux there. So that wasn't a, I don't know, it's, it's not the perfect comparison, I guess I'd say. But, um, you know, Georgia was so consistently good all throughout the course of the season. You know, we're, are we just willing to get rid of them just from one bad performance? And I guess that's what, you know, the, the, the Georgia side of this would be is, you know, gosh, they were so good, you know, all season long. They didn't play good against Alabama. Am I really confident that they can play great against Alabama um, with Saban being the best coach and, and Bryce Young being so good? Not terribly. That's why I'm not going to bet Georgia in this game. Um, I, I lean toward Georgia. I want to piggyback on something that Parker said, too. Georgia was 3 of 12 on first down last game, 2 of 4 on fourth down in, in that first game against uh, Alabama. So late down, major problems there. Minus 2 turnover margin. Bama was 7 for 14 on uh, third down. And then Georgia went 10 for 16 on third down against Michigan. But like Parker said, 
a lot different situations there. It's a lot of third and one, third and two. That's what Georgia's built for. Uh, you know, I would say if there's a weakness on Georgia's team, their wide receivers are not tremendous. And then I don't think Bennett's a tremendous quarterback. So, uh, you know, you don't want to get in third and 10, third and 12, things like that. And they, they got in that too often in that first matchup, I think. Uh, let me jump into the chat right quick. Uh, we did have a couple of people asking questions. Eric wanted to know about Georgia's offense, how it's going to look in this game. Uh, he said, I'm kind of leaning under here. What do you think about the total, Kyle? Um, yeah, you know what, Kyle, let's get you talking about that right quick. Uh, you know, I, I will, I'll give up my pick here in just a little bit. Again, the over has hit in nine of the last 10 matchups between these two. Uh, 41 to 24 has been the last two um, scores between the two teams, 2020 and 2021. Alabama scoring 41 points, Georgia 24. Uh, I would venture to say that Georgia will probably score more this time. Alabama will probably score less, I would imagine. But you look at the, the EPA and the PPA and, and whatnot on these two teams, uh, the defenses are built maybe to stop the run more so than they are the pass. If these two teams get successful passing the ball, at 52 is not a lot of points. It is a key number. But, I mean, I, I feel pretty strong about this over here, Kyle. What, uh, which way are you leaning on that? Well, I'll tell you, if, if I was going to make a play today, the over would be my bet. Um, that's my, my strongest lean of anything on a side or a total. The last three times these two teams have played, 63, 65, and 65 points. And actually, if you go back, I mean, the first halves have been really high scoring in these games. 24-20, 24-17, and 21-14 there a couple of years ago. Um, first half over 26. I mean, that, that seems like a decent look as well in this game. Um, you know, I think both of these teams are capable of big plays and both of these teams, uh, while they're very good defensively, they have given up some explosive plays. Uh, I certainly lean to the over. I mean, in general, I like taking unders with Georgia, but Georgia hasn't proven that they can stop Alabama's offense. Are we really confident that in two weeks they came up with some way that they're just going to shut down Bryce Young and them? I mean, I, I'm not. So, so uh, I'm going to lean to the over. And obviously, we're in a, a Lucas Oil Stadium, so fast track, uh, good to go there. So, 52 is a very key number. You want 52 instead of 52 and a half. Not really sure which way this uh, total will move. A lot of people like to bet overs, but also Georgia's defense has been talked about so much all year. I could see some of the public betting the under as well. So I think 52 is probably a pretty good number here, and it'll stay right about this. But uh, I would pretty strongly lean to the over in this game. That's, I, I am the exact same way. Uh, Parker, I, I, I went back and watched the Georgia-Michigan game and went play-by-play, play, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I have to wonder if Georgia doesn't open up the bag of tricks a little more this go-round. I don't know that Kirby Smart uh, typically likes to do that against Nick Saban. Uh, you remember when Justin Fields was there however many years ago, they tried to run that fake punt. Obviously, it was a bad situation to even try it. I don't know that he's gone back to the well with trying some different creative things, but on that second touchdown drive that Georgia had against Michigan, they did a handoff and – the running back threw a touchdown pass because, of course, it brought all the safeties up. He's sitting in the back of the end zone wide open. Things like that we did not see from Georgia in the first matchup. Uh, do you think maybe they get a little more creative on the offensive side of the football this go-round? 
I don't, because it's not like what they were doing in the first game with Alabama wasn't working. They were just key moments where Bennett made a mistake or they, they didn't capitalize. Um, and, and so I think that, um, again, I don't want to go to Galaxy Brain. I don't want to you know uh, ascribe too much thinking. I don't want to sound like the guy in Princess Bride that's like, you know that I know that you know that I know. But I do think that, that Kirby Smart understands that one of the best trick plays you can run is the credible threat of a trick play. Um, and so one of the best trick plays you can run is having a trick play on film and having the defense sufficiently worried about it that they think about it for a second in a moment and think, oh, is that running back going to pass or something? And and, and kind of free up, um, you know, just a normal, boring, successful play to work because that trick play was built on it. So I, I really do think that in the um, much like Alabama was just taking what was there. I do think that Georgia just kind of uh, Kirby Smart has said so many things about letting loose, about how his team gets tight against Alabama. I think Kirby was trying to have fun in the in the college football semifinal, um, which is one just what an amazing flex to be like. Our goal is to do as little as possible to win and also have fun and you know lighten up a little bit. Um, that, that's just incredible. But I, I really do think that that part of that is hey, Kirby Smart is going to win if his team is confident. They say we have an awesome defense. We're going to have fun. We're going to loosen up. Um, and so I do think in the mission game a little bit on a big stage there there was some. Um, I mean, th- those things are in the arsenal. I don't expect those to be the difference between them winning and losing against Alabama. Um, you, because hey, you again, brought I, up I, right quick. Let me interrupt you. You brought up uh, them loosening up and whatnot. It, Kirby mentioned loosening up multiple times. You, you kind of feel like that might uh, might have a play in this game. Yeah, but I, I mean, the, a lot of these guys had played Alabama before already. Um, and, and so that, I, I don't know how big of an effect that is. The other thing that's interesting to me is both of, both of these games have been neutral sites. Um, I mean, they played neutral site last time and then they played neutral site here. And so, um, were there any ability to say like, Hey, we're going to, you know, we're in our stadium, we're comfortable, whatever. There's going to be unfamiliarity in this game kind of all around. And so that, that kind of comes back to the trick plays and, and the offense, you know, letting Stetson Bennett get some confidence while they're up and kind of make those throws. I, I, I do think that there is a, a, a um, I almost said psychic, but I meant mental. Uh, there's a, there's a mental element to this game um, that that I really do think Kirby is is focusing on mindset because obviously they have the talent on defense. Obviously they have the talent on offense. If they can just if Stetson Bennett can avoid the mistakes, uh, you know that is an entirely different SEC championship game. Alabama by no means ran them off the field. There were just one or two plays that kind of blew it up. So um, that, that I think exactly, is the biggest thing. That's exactly what Georgia did to Michigan, right? It was one or two yeah. plays. Uh, you you had the freshman linebacker that was on uh, that was guarding James Cook, and they found two gigantic plays on those. You had the defensive back that I guess lost the football in the lights uh, right at the end of the second quarter, and uh, and then you had like the trick play, right? Those four plays yeah. right there, that's four touchdowns. That's a, that's a whole I might be remembering thing. this wrong. Wasn't the trick play? They, or it may have just been another touchdown, but. Michigan basically had a third down conversion and dropped it. I think it was like a little overthrown off his, off his hands. Oh yeah. Um, and so that, that two little things like that, but of course, good teams, uh, you know, have those things tightened up and, and don't lose the ball in the lights and they don't have a drop on a key third down. Um, and so some of that I, I, I do think is, is very similar. Uh, although of course I think Alabama, Georgia was a lot closer than Georgia, Michigan, uh, Mich- oh, Michigan, a lot more. What if, but um, I, I don't think Georgia is outclassed here. Um, and I do think that, 
they, they have a real chance to, to win this game, especially because they have lost the last one. And, and there's, you know, all sorts of college football mindset and motivation thing. Um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, let me let me bring up just a couple more things. Um, I've brought up Alabama's tight ends multiple times. It has not fully come to fruition yet, uh, but there is a mismatch to be had here between Alabama's receiving tight ends, Cameron Latu and Jaleel Billingsley, uh, and Georgia's middle of the defense. Uh, they didn't exploit it in the first matchup. I wonder if that's something that they will go to more often this go-round because they don't have John Mechie on those short routes. We'll see, obviously, but that is... It, they have done that in these national championship games, in playoff games and whatnot in the past when they do have a uh, an advantage there. I mean, obviously, Georgia has used it with Brock Bowers. So uh, that is something to look for. Uh, another thing that I wanted to pull up. Um, oh, Georgia was able to get home a lot more against Michigan than they were against Alabama the last go round. I, I wonder if there's anything that changes about the scheming of bringing more pressure, whether it's up the middle or anywhere else. Kirby Smart said at halftime against Alabama last time that they should have blitzed more. They should have brought more pressure. Uh, obviously, the question there is when you do that, who do you leave open, right? Because it's a, it's a numbers game at that point. Uh, against Michigan, Cade McNamara uh, held on to the football forever. I mean, just it seemed like an eternity that he was back there and they were able to get home. Uh, while watching that Michigan-Georgia game, I did kind of question, and, and maybe, Kyle, maybe you can uh, appreciate this one a little bit. I wondered if McNamara and Bennett are basically the, the Spider-Man meme where they're pointing at each other, <laughs> and Bennett's just got like a better supporting cast. Does that it kind of feel the same way to you? Yeah, I, I mean, uh, McNamara didn't have to be good against Ohio State because they were just running the ball down their throat every time, right? So, uh, you know, but it was a different game there against Georgia. I do think it's surprising that Georgia was able to get to uh, Michigan's off, get through Michigan's offensive line as much as they were because Michigan's offensive line has been really good this season. But like you said, that's at least somewhat because of McNamara. I don't think Young's going to do the same thing. I know, I, I know he's going to get rid of the ball better than McNamara did. Um, he can also uh, run pretty well. He didn't run too much in that first game, uh, but he's certainly capable. I think Nicobe Dean could have a better game than he did uh, last time for Georgia. A really impressive player. I think he'll be a very good NFL oh, yeah. player. Um, Dean had a really nice game there uh, against Michigan, and he was a bit quiet, five total tackles against Bama in the first game. Uh, you know, to me, McNamara and, and Bennett, uh, you know, Maybe maybe Bennett's a little better. I'm I'm trying to give Bennett some credit because I've <laughs> I've kind of crushed him a little bit in the past. But but I don't know. I mean, you know, um, Michigan's backup came in and looked better than McNamara did. So uh, you know that might have been based on what time of the game it was. You know, obviously oh, yeah. Georgia lays off. You know, they score that late touchdown, and I mean, you know, obviously, but. You know, G Georgia was supremely impressive against Michigan, no doubt about that. Uh, now they have to do it against the team that they haven't been able to play that well against uh, before. So the big question here is, you know, do you go off all the stats that point toward, you know, Georgia looks like they're a bit better team, or do you look at the past matchups and say, you know, is uh, uh, Saban ever going to lose to Kirby Smart? Yeah, no, that's, I think that is the biggest question on the day. Um, I think I think we can go ahead and kind of, Wrap this thing up. Uh, I do have Eric that jumped in, said, does Georgia play Alabama next year in the regular season? Uh, the answer to that is no. Those two teams, as it is currently constituted, play once every seven years. 
So they played in Tuscaloosa in 2020. They'll be back, uh, well, it was 2015, then 2020, then who knows when the next one's going to be. That's all going to change with realignment anyway. Oh, yes. Yeah, there's no pattern anymore. It, it'll yeah. all change it. <laughs> so let's, uh, let's go ahead and give out official plays, and we're going to be back on Monday. And we're going to talk more about this. I think we should have some more injury situations uh, maybe cleaned up. Maybe. Who knows? <laughs> I don't know that, that Saban has any incentive to tell us who is playing or who's not uh, because it's not the NFL. They don't have to. So we'll see if we get some reports out about that and whatnot. But on Monday, we will be discussing some prop bets, et cetera. We'll go ahead and give you the bets that we have for today. Uh, Parker, you want to talk about what you've got? I'm going to side here. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go with Alabama plus three. I think there's a lot of value here. I think if Georgia wins, it's going to be a close game. And and if Alabama wins, they might run away with it. If you look at, um, you know, three three of the first four college football playoffs were one score games. And the last the last three have just been absolute blowouts, kind of mismatches. And, uh, you know, you can make the argument there's been um, off 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 field reasons why that happened or, or whatever. But um, I really do think that, um, uh, again, a close game favors favors. Georgia uh, or uh, or Alabama kind of runs away with it. Uh, my model moved from the SEC championship. I had a toss up, 33-33 with some decimal points one way or the other, slightly leaning towards Alabama. I've moved uh, about five points total. I currently have it about Alabama 35, Georgia 31, 30, depending on how you want to round. Um, and and so I, I really do like what Alabama um, has done on the aggregate. I, I do think there's an outstanding question as to what they can do in the counterpunch, like we talked about, without having John Mechie to attract a ton of attention. Um, who knows? Maybe we get the Slade-Bolden game, <laughs> and, uh, and that's how they do it. But I, I like Alabama to, to either lose this close or, or, or win pretty substantially. So plus three feels good. Um, also, overs. Uh, Georgia, six and eight on overs this year. Alabama is seven and seven. So I, I, I don't make this argument from a trend, just that the national championship has 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 gone over a lot in the past, um, and when you look at both teams and kind of how they've played lately and how they play against each other, it does feel like this is going to end up um, a high scoring game. I mean, I mean, fifty two is you know uh, twenty eight twenty seven, you know, something even close like that, which which uh, covers there. So I, I like the over here as well, and I like Alabama to cover the three. That's it. Yeah, twenty eight to twenty four is uh, is fifty two. So it, I would imagine somebody gets to 30 in this ballgame. They've done it every year forever. Uh, my official play on this would be the over 52 as well. Uh, I just expect points uh, between these two. I know that they're both really good defenses, and we get that. But when you get into a game situation like this, there's going to be big plays. There's going to be mismatches and whatnot where guys will be able to take advantage, and that will lead to points. I don't expect a bunch of field goals and whatnot I expect this is not going to be the Alabama LSU rematch from 2011. I can guarantee you that this will not be a 15 to nothing ball game in the fourth quarter with only five field goals. Uh, so I would expect points galore based on the way that these two offenses have been running. Uh, and Kyle, you, you said you lean that way. You're not going to play it as of right now, uh, but I'm going to play it. I've already played it. I like the 52. I think that is uh, not nearly enough points. And I mean, the trend continues to go that way, right? Over in nine of the last 10 between these two teams, I, it, it's kind of like a service academy thing at this point. You know, it, these two coaches know each other, and they're going to be able to find weaknesses in those defenses. I fully expect that. Kyle, you, uh, you got any parting shots or anything before we, uh, before we wrap this thing up? Yeah, my 
strongest in his over uh, half over I like some as well. I'm looking forward to talking the props on Monday, and I'll, I'll have some thoughts on some of these props because it gives us more of a chance to dive in deep on the you know the player props, uh, things that it's hard to cover those in the regular season, but there's going to be plenty of those. That's going to be fun on Monday. Oh, most certainly, most certainly. All right. Let's go ahead and wrap this thing up. Again, official plays. Parker likes the over 52. I like the over 52. And Parker's going to ride with Crimson Tide at plus three. Uh, maybe the best number you can get on them as of right now. So uh, take advantage of those if you will, you know, <laughs> if you want to go ahead and do it. Let me go ahead and remind everybody, like the video if you've not already, subscribe to the channel, make sure and hit that notification bell for us because it is going to tell you when we go live on Monday I believe the time is 11 a.m. Eastern time. So set your calendars or, again, just hit the notification bell. That's probably the easiest thing. Or you can follow us on Twitter, and we will tell you then when we are going to go live on Monday. Hey, day of the ball game, getting to talk about the ball game. I'm kind of excited about it. So we'll get to hit on, like Kyle said, a lot more of those player props and whatnot that, uh, that we think we can find value in in this matchup. Uh, with that said, we appreciate everybody that jumped in the chat. P. Matt. Uh, let's see, Eric, we had, uh, who was it? Bruce in here earlier, uh, Steven, et cetera. You guys have been wonderful. We certainly appreciate it. Hopefully we will see you all again on Monday, uh, and make sure to jump into the comments. We want to know who you are picking. Give us your bet. Give us what you think, uh, we should have done <laughs> in our picks. And, uh, and we would certainly appreciate that. Oh, also the podcast, make sure you go and grab the bet us football podcast. We are moving into the NFL playoffs and whatnot. That feed, that podcast feed, is the NFL show and the college football show. So make sure that you download that podcast. Subscribe and leave five-star reviews anywhere that you can do so. We would certainly appreciate it. Gentlemen, this has been a lot of fun. Let's go ahead and dive out of here. We'll be back on Monday for BetUS. We will see you all again next week.